Well, how you doing, church? Everybody doing good today? Come on. So excited to be with you today. If I haven't had a chance to introduce myself, my name is Rick Paladin, lead pastor here at Bridge City Church. And I get the privilege to be with you today here at North Braddock. And I'm excited. It's always so good to be here at North Braddock. Pastor John and Christine, as always, you're doing a great job leading this campus. Thank you so very much. You both are great. And uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. And I'm excited about what God wants to say to you today. In case you didn't know, we are one church in four locations. One church, four locations. And uh, just so excited about what God's doing. And, uh, and actually, what, two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Um, we're going to be one church in one location in uh, Monroeville at, a, at an outdoor worship experience with baptisms and food trucks and the whole deal. And I'm going to be able to see you there as well. How many of y'all plan on coming on August 6th to the outdoor? Come on, you got to be there. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a great, great time to see the whole church together. And I'm really, really amped about that. Man, here we are in a series, Courageous Faith, as if there was any other type of faith other than courageous faith. I mean, if you're going to have faith, it needs to be courageous. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I mean, that's why we need, that's why we need faith, to, to be courage. Come on. And, um, and, 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 and we're looking through the whole book of Joshua this whole summer. We're looking at every chapter, and then we're going to combine some chapters together. And today's going to be in Joshua 9. And I've been loving this series in just the, the book of Joshua. I, it's been encouraging to my heart. My faith is being built. How many of y'all, your faith is going to a new level? Come on. You, you, your faith, yeah, come on. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, and I want to please God. So I'm going to need to stir faith up in my heart and stir faith up in a, in a big, big way. But, you know, sometimes as Christians, we, bought, we buy into the thought process that when we become Christians, everything's going to become easy. That's dramatic influence right there. Come on, that's dramatic. Pause, yeah. How many of y'all, see, we, we do, we, we come to Christ and we, we, we want to be a Christian, and so we just think everything's going to be easy and fine. And if you, if you become a Christian, you won't have any problems, right? I remember believing God that, it would, that if I just would get married, all my problems would go away. And then I realized that I, I, I'm the problem. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me here? Come on. Yeah, am I in the right place? Yeah. And, and, and so we buy into like, oh, if you just pray, God's going to make everything perfect. You're not going to have any challenges. You're not going to have any problems. But I want to tell you today, that's a lie. And if you bought that, I'm sorry. But there's going to be challenges. There's always a challenge and there's always a fight and there's always something going on. But as a believer in Jesus, what we do get is help through the adversity, through the challenge, and through the struggle. How many of y'all could use a little help? How many of y'all need a lot of help? Both hands. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Both hands. Yeah. We, I need all the help I can get. And I need all the Jesus I can get. Yeah, so here's the big idea. Just here's the big idea I want to give to you today. And that is courageous faith is developed in adversity. Yeah.
Yeah, adversity. By constantly staying engaged, consistently seeking God's will, and covenantally ordering our lives. See, we want, we, we want to have victory, but we don't want a challenge in a battle. We want to be overcomers, but we don't want to have to overcome. And if we want to be an overcomer, we're going to have to be overcomers. We're going to have to have something to overcome. And, and, and the fact is, is that we all have something to overcome. We all have something challenging us. We all have something prodding us. And unfortunately, we today are a lot like God's people in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua, who went through a lot of victories and a lot of defeats had a lot of mountains, and had a lot of valleys. And, and, and there's a cycle that Pastor John revealed to you last week, and that is obedience followed by victory, and victory to blessing, and blessing followed by pride and disobedience, and disobedience by defeat, and defeat followed by judgment, and judgment followed by repentance, and repentance followed by obedience, and obedience followed by victory, and the cycle continues. How many of y'all can relate? Come on, I can Come on, I can, I can relate to having great victory. I mean, I love it. Come to church, and I'm encouraged, and I want to read my Bible every day. And that usually lasts till about Tuesday. Anybody with me? And then like Tuesday, I'm tired. And then by Wednesday, it becomes a struggle. Then Thursday, we pick it back up again, and then we did Thursday and Friday, and then, oh, you know, Sunday's coming. I think I can coast till then. Is anybody else like me? We all have challenges. We have struggles. These are real adversities here that we have to go through. But what helps is, is when I'm constantly engaged and we have to realize there's engagement. So God's people were going through this cycle here and they just had a great victory in Joshua chapter eight. And they, and, and, and they, and they celebrated a victory. And it's almost like a week later in Joshua nine, verse one. Now all the kings west of the Jordan River heard about what happened, a great victory. And these were the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. All the ites. And they formed an alliance. And these kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and the Israelites. There is an alliance against your life. Jesus had an alliance set against his life. As soon as he started doing miracles, three groups of people that didn't even necessarily like one another joined together and teamed up against him. The Sadducees, Pharisees, and Herodians. They were three groups of people that were very religious and they didn't like Jesus, but they didn't even like each other until they had a common denominator. They all hated Jesus. So if they hated Jesus, what do you think the enemy does to you? The enemy doesn't like you. As a matter of fact, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything about you. And we have a real enemy that's set against us. And so Joshua had a big victory, God's people, and all these ites joined together. Literally, the translation is they joined together with one mouth, with one word. All together, they were going to go against them. And, 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 and there's an alliance, and we have to realize that there's battles against us. There's battles set 
all of the time. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, stay alert. Everybody say those two words, stay alert. Yeah, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stay awake, stay vigilant, stay connected. Come on, the devil is looking for who he can devour. Let's not let it be you. Come on, don't let it be you. Don't get off and isolated. That's, that's who the, the, the lion looks for, the one isolated. Come on, he's looking for the one alone. And some people here, they're, they're, you put yourself in isolation, you put yourself separate, you put yourself alone, and you wonder why the devil is prowling on you and taking advantage of you, it's because you're alone. It's right there in the verse, right there, 1 Peter 5. No longer be alone. But we have to stay engaged because there's a real fight. What if we approached every day of our lives as if there's a real fight and a real devil coming after us? Come on, if I said to you, there's somebody that's going to steal from you and, 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 and they're, they're going to rob from you and they're waiting for the right time this week. How many of you would be on the alert this week? Come on, every corner you went around, right? Every corner, everywhere you went, you would be careful not to be alone, right? You'd be careful not to do it on your own strength, right? But we don't do that with the devil, yeah, we have to stay engaged and stay ahead of it. See, I do better when I'm prepared and I stay engaged. I've been doing pretty good lately uh, with my eating and with my uh, in, in, in exercising. And I do better when I go to a restaurant if I look up the menu and I pick what I want before I get there. People think that's crazy. I study it. Because I don't want to get there and make, it, make a decision in the flesh because I know that, that food's out to get me. Man, and I just, like two weeks ago, I'm preaching at one of, our, one of our locations and somebody said, let's go out to lunch. It was a last minute decision. Never been to this place before and it's Italian restaurant. How many of you know the Italians are out to get you? Come on, somebody, yeah. My wife's not here, Natalie. She's full-blooded Italian. She's serving in Murraysville today. She was like, mm-hmm. And so I just showed up there. I just showed up. I says, okay, we're going to see what happens. I tried to study the menu in the parking lot before we, when we got there. I'm reading through it. I'm reading through it. I got to pick. I got to find something. I got to stay engaged because the enemy's out to get me. And there was an alliance out to get me. It started with three pieces of Italian bread. With butter. And then stuffed hot peppers like this real. Then wedding soup. Yeah, then I had my big plate of pasta, but that wasn't good enough. I had to taste everybody else's with me. Pretty soon the alliance was out to get me. Five pounds later. All because I didn't have a plan and I didn't stay constantly engaged. What I'm trying to say to you is if it works, it works in every aspect of our lives. It works in our finances. It works in our marriage. It works with our purity. It works in our Bible reading. It works with temptation. It works in all of our lives, but we have to be willing to stay engaged. When we let our, we let our guard down, bad things happen every single time. Come on, that's it. So we have to, we have to be willing to daily stay engaged. 
Courageous faith is developed in adversity by constantly staying engaged. And number two, consistently seeking God's will. Joshua 9, three through uh, four here. When the people of Gibeon, so here's everybody in the alliance against Joshua, just celebrated a big victory. The people of Gibeon, that was a, you know, the Gibeonites, place of Gibeon, they, they heard what Joshua had done in Jericho and Ai, big victories, big victories, come on. And they resorted to deception. Oh, underline that, write that out, resorted to deception. The enemy wants to deceive you. The enemy can't win against us head on, so the enemy has to deceive you. You're not really a child of God. Look around the room. Nobody in this room today has any problems but you. Has anybody here ever felt that way? Come on, if you were a real Christian, come on, you wouldn't be having problems the way you do. If you were really loved by God, you'd have an easier life. The enemy wants to deceive us. He wants to trick us into thinking things that are not true. And he wants to deceive and trick because he's cunning because the enemy can't win head on. The blood of Jesus wins. So, there's, he, there's, so the enemy, so these Gibeonites resorted to deceptions to save themselves and they sent ambassadors to Joshua and they loaded their donkeys and weathered saddlebags and old patched wineskins. Verse five, they put on worn out patched sandals, ragged clothes, and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. When they arrived at the camp, they told Joshua, we have come from a distant land. See, God's people knew not to make treaties with those close by, but they were allowed to make treaties with those far away. So they had to deceive them and trick them into saying, we're from far away. Make a treaty. Make a deal with us. Do you know your enemy wants to make a deal with you? Oh, it won't take that much. Oh, it won't cost you. Come on, the enemy wants to trick you. The enemy wants to take you out. So that's why we're constantly engaged here. And so these people show up and, 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 and the Israelites replied, how do we know, know you don't live by? Look at the moldy bread. Look at our clothes. Look how worn out we are. Look at all these things here. And so, so they, the, the Gibeonites played on God's people with two things. Sympathy and emotion and pride and ego. Do you know what the enemy plays on? Sympathy. Ah. Oh. They're so worn out. Look at the moldy bread. Come on, come on. What happens when, when you're watching TV at home and, 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 and then the, uh, the commercial comes on with those kids that are starving? And I'm not making fun of it. I'm saying what happens. It's like, we gotta do something about that. Right? Right, if something comes up inside and says, oh my goodness. And I'm being honest, that happens. That's sympathy. That's emotion. But unfortunately, the commercial's over and we go get another bag of chips. No, I'm serious. We just, we just forget about it. We put it out of our mind. And so the enemy played on sympathy and the emotion and pride and ego. We heard about how great your God is. We heard about how mighty he is. We heard about your great victory. Do you know what the enemy wants to play on? Your sympathy and emotion and your pride and your ego. Both of those are a big problem. 
Okay, I know I'm not talking to you. I'm probably talking to the person next to you. Right? Come on. But that's what the enemy wants to play on. And so the enemy starts playing on these things and start, we start relying on ourselves and we start relying on our own wisdom here. And in verse 14, verse 14, here it is. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. They allowed their emotions to play. They allowed their ego to get involved and they didn't consult God. How many less problems would we have in our lives if we just simply consulted God? We just simply would ask him what he thinks. Is anybody with me? Yeah, if I would just stop and consult God. They didn't consult God, they were moved in emotions, they were moved in the feelings, they were moved in the moment, they were moved by, yeah, our God is good. I belong to that church, right? I belong to that. But they were getting deceived and they were getting tricked. But what we need to do is we need to seek God first. How many less problems would we have in our marriages and, and, and how many less problems would we have in our lives if we just simply would stop and ask Jesus what he thinks first? Somebody, we were sitting, my wife and I, Natalie, were sitting across the table with a young couple just started coming to church and, and they said, wow, how did you guys make it 34 years? And we gave the usual answer. You got to get good at forgiveness. You got to get good at dying to yourself. Is anybody with me here? Yeah. Forgiveness, die to yourself, put the other person first. But you know, I started thinking about it even as we were talking, and I said, and a whole bunch of adversity. Adversity, a whole bunch of adversity that we got to live through and we got to learn trust through and we got to see God together through. But the number one thing is we're not gonna fight with one, with one another, we're gonna start fighting for our marriage, not with our marriage person. I'm not gonna stop fighting with my finances, I'm gonna start fighting for my finances. I'm just gonna stop fighting with God on what he wants me to do and start fighting with God. Come on, are you with me? See, this, this works in every aspect of life. Seek God first. Continually seek him. But the problem was is they looked with their natural eyes. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. See, what God, I believe, is speaking to us right now and here is that we gotta learn to walk by faith, not by our natural sight. And there's people in the room right now, as Pastor John came up earlier and he was sharing, we're looking through things in the natural. We're looking with our natural eyes and they're gonna trick us every time. And what God is inviting us into, will you just look through eyes of faith and look what I can do? I'm gonna to choose to praise you in the, in the lowest valley, in the highest mountain. I choose to praise. I choose to. I choose to seek God first. I choose to put him first. That's what I'm gonna do because listen, there'll be no conquest without war. There's gonna be no victory without the battle. I am pressing on to grab a hold of Jesus Christ, but I gotta put him first.
not as a last result, not as a last resort, not as anything here. That's how we're going to do it. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. What if we consulted God first in adversity and not just more people to tell us that we're justified? Oh, you're justified in the way you feel. You have a right to the way you feel. Come on, we all know those people in our lives. We know who to go to to say, you have a right. You can do what you want. You can do that. But we gotta shy away from them and say, no, I want people who are gonna build my faith. I want people that are gonna do, to, 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 to do that. But the enemy wants to trick us into not fighting. You don't need to fight. You don't need to work for it. Nobody else in that church works for it, only you. You deserve some me time. You deserve some days off of your Christendom. You deserve some, you deserve this, you deserve that. You don't, come on, you can do it a different way. You can do it your own way. You don't have to trust it that way. And I believe God is speaking to people in this room right now. Who are you that God's speaking to right now? He's inviting you into faith. He's inviting you into a new walk. He's inviting you into a new level. He's inviting you into seeking him first. Am I in the right place today? See, God is inviting us in to his will, but it comes through adversity. And one of the joys about getting older is that adversity is just normal. Where's all my over 50 people? Come on, help me, somebody. And, but you can look at somebody younger and say, surely you will not die. Come on, yeah. Come on, am I, am I right? No, I'm serious, we, we, but you can look and say, you're not gonna die, this, this is not gonna kill you. It's not at all. You know, I'm, it, it goes back to a lesson. My mother, she went home to be with the Lord this year, and so I'll say this in honor of her. She told me this lesson all the time. When I was a young person, she said, listen, there's gonna be temptation, there's gonna be things out there, but nobody, nobody in the course of history, nobody in the course of history and time has ever died from not having sex. That's what she told me. I'm saying that for somebody here today. I don't know who needs to hear that. I just, I know you think you're going to, but it's, you're not gonna die, okay? You're not going to. Nobody in history has ever done that. Is, that help? Is this helpful to you today? Come on, somebody. We just like to keep it real. Yeah. But we got to consistently seek God and press forward. And last but not least, we need to covenantally order our lives. And for those of you that are wondering, is covenantally really a word? <laughs> is now. Yeah. Covenantally. Everybody say that together. It felt good, huh? Yeah. Google that later. Come on. Yeah, so what did Joshua do? He made this treaty in verse 15 with them and guaranteed their safety with a binding oath. And three days after making the treaty, they learned that these people lived nearby and they lied to them. And so then in 18 and 19, people grumbled and they complained because they weren't allowed to take out the Gibeonites. They were supposed to destroy the Gibeonites. 
but they made an oath. In verse 20, we must let them live for divine anger would come upon us if we broke our oath. Let them live so they made them woodcutters and water carriers for the entire community as directed there. So basically what Joshua did say, I gave my word so I can't go back on my word. He had an ordered life. And if we want to, through adversity, listen, this is going to help you right now. In times of chaos, cling to what you know. Too many people in times of chaos, they get a little rocked, a little bit in their mind. Who's God? What's God doing? I don't know. Is he a God of of love, love, love? Is he a God of judgment, judgment, judgment? We get all confused and we throw it all out rather than say, no, there's things that I know. Do you know what I know? I've been through a whole lot of adversity and my God has never failed yet. No, you got to grab a hold of that. Like, like, see, I know that. I know that the word of God works. I know that faith works. I know that his word works. I am going to cling to that rather than throw it all out and say, I don't know. Does anybody really know? Anybody really know? That's what people do. And it's like, no, I'm going to covenantally live my life. So let me give you a couple things here. According to Joshua, he made God-honoring decisions. He, in lives, he, he ordered his life and he made God-honoring decisions. So in every bit of adversity, what should we do? Let's ask Jesus. Let's ask the word of God what we should do. It works. Do you know the word of God? It works. And it works beautifully. It really does. And then next is, is we keep our word. Actually, it, in a couple different places here, it says, keep your promises even when it hurts. Psalm 15, 4. Matthew 5, 37, Jesus' words. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We're gonna keep our word. If I said I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Even if it hurts me, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make this decision, even if it hurts, I'm, I'm committed to it. This is what I said, that my word is my bond. That's what I'm gonna say. And last but not least in the list there is don't take vengeance into your own hands. Hey, we were tricked, we have a right to this. Whenever we find ourselves saying, I have a right to this, that is dangerous ground. I have a right. I have, no, this is the right we have because of Jesus. We get, to, we get to die to ourselves and live for him. Nobody likes that right. But they lived cov- covenantally here in the midst of difficulties. This is what we're gonna do. You know, I learned this lesson really, the, I, I learned a, a leadership lesson in adversity a long time ago and uh, it was one of my first leadership lessons. I was um, working at Mercy Hospital. I, was, I had some little victories in leadership. I was in charge of a couple shifts, and they gave me my big moment. I was gonna be in charge of the whole day of, of, of the unit, and, and I was really excited about this. And so I went there, and I was gonna be in charge. And I had one of the worst days of my life. I mean, one thing led to the next thing, which led to the next thing, and I wanna let you know today, I handled everything horribly. Not only was it horrible, it was worse because I was a believer in Jesus. 
And everybody knew it. As a matter of fact, by the end of the day, they had other people coming from other units to see how bad it was. Come on. Oh, it was a glorious day. And I knew how wrong I was. I knew I messed up royally. I knew I just, one decision, I was, I just really, really threw adversity. And so it was either the next day or two days later. I can't remember exactly. I just went right into my head nurse and I went to her office and I knocked and I said, we need to talk. And she goes, oh, yes, we do. And I went in there and sat down and, and I said, before you say anything, I just want to let you know something. And I said, the other day I was in charge and I said, this is... I was completely wrong. I was completely wrong, and I started labeling all the things I did wrong because I had a couple of days to think about it. And I didn't want to leave anything out because I didn't want to waste a lesson. Catch that. And so I said, this is what I went wrong, and this is how I did it wrong, and this is what I learned. And I said, and, and, and I know that I, I probably should be suspended. It, really, it, was, a, it was a three days off with, without pay. That's how great it was. And I said, I want to let you know before you even say, I receive whatever you give me right now. I'm receiving whatever direction, whatever punishment, whatever you say, I receive it right now. And she sat back, she goes, are you serious? I said, I'm serious as I'm here right now. There's no hiding it. I got to own up to it. And she stopped and she goes, I, you know what's supposed to happen. I said, I know what's supposed to happen. She goes, I can't do it now. I said, really? I'll be honest. I, I, was, I was like, oh, well, do I go home today? I didn't know what was going to happen. And she said, no, she didn't give me the punishment due to me because I, was, I owned up to it and I kept my word and I stood up to the covenant that I believe in. I got to own my stuff. And I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson that I didn't, I, I went in on my ego, I went in on everything else and it doesn't work. I learned a lesson in leadership that I still carry with me today and that was years ago. But you know what? I'm not gonna waste one bit of adversity. I'm gonna grab a hold of it. I'm gonna learn from it. I'm gonna grow from it and I'm gonna be a better leader for Jesus today than I was then. Is anybody with me now? See, I wanna be all I can be for Jesus. So when I'm, when I'm consistent, I, I, I'm going to constantly stay engaged and consistently seek God's will and covenantally order my life. But here's the rest of the story. It's about to get good. Elbow your neighbor and say, it's going to get good. Come on. Yeah. Oh, you were so, come on. Come on, it's going to get good. Here's the rest of the story. The rest of the story, because they kept their word, because they, they, they kept their words, this is what happened. The Gibeonites were supposed to be completely destroyed, but they basically went and made a treaty, and they significantly says, here we are, we're going to do whatever you want us to do. You want to know why? Here's why. Because they knew they were supposed to receive God's wrath. So instead of receiving God's wrath, they went to God's people. It was deceptive, but they went to God's people. You know, many people come to church for deceiving reasons. Many people come for different reasons. 
But they came to, they, they, they went to God's people here and they said, listen, we're willing to do whatever you want us to do because in Psalm 84.10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Oh, I'd rather be with God. I would rather be in the house of God than be in the tents of wickedness. Come on, somebody. Come on, you would let me hold the door for people when I'm, I was one that was supposed to have wrath? This is, this is what they did here. They had heard all God had done. They had heard all he, all he was. And in Joshua 9, 27, but the day he made the Gibeonites, the woodcutters and water carriers for the community of Israel and for the altar of the Lord, wherever the Lord would choose to build it. And this is what they do to this day. They presented themselves to God here. And yes, it was deception, but they were supposed to have wrath but instead, they became involved in the community of God. And not only that, they served in the altar. They served in the holy place for God. Are you with me now? Now, you got to get a hold of this. What they basically said is, I was supposed to die and go to hell, but now Jesus saved me. Pastor, put me in. Where do you want me to serve? That's what they said. Pastor, put me in. I would rather be a woodcutter and a water carrier rather than receive wrath of the devil and go and, and spend it forever in, in, in hell or in, and die. And some of us, what we've done is we've lost the ability to process that we deserve hell, but he gives us heaven. We deserve wrath, but he gives us his favor. No, we, see, whenever serving, whenever being a part of God's people becomes a chore, we forgot the wrath. Oh, pastor, don't start preaching hellfire and brimstone. No, how about we just talk about wrath because it's in the Bible. This is what happened with the Gibeonites. They were supposed to be destroyed. They're not destroyed. And now, but I thought you'd be getting excited over this. No, I'm serious. I thought you'd be getting excited because we all deserved wrath. It, did, did anybody hear you didn't deserve wrath? You were so good on your own that God is so impressed with you that he didn't need to send Jesus Christ, his only son, to die on the cross for us. And so he allows us, just like Rahab, Rahab is in the book of Joshua in Joshua 2. Write that down. You're going to read, read that. Rahab was a prostitute who was supposed to get taken out but made a covenant with God's people and God protected her and her family. Guess what? God not only protected her, he restored her to the place where she married a prince in Judah and became part of the ancestral line of Jesus. Oh, uh, you're about to get excited. The Gibeonites, they were liars and deceivers. 
And God restored them through covenant, through mercy and grace and covenant to the place where now they serve in God's kingdom. Actually, one of the Gibeonites was David's mighty men. They helped restore the walls in Nehemiah. The Gibeonites over and over and over and over again. Am I in a room full of people that were once harlots and prostitutes and liars and deceivers and full of shame? But God has redeemed us. God has spoken covenant to you. God is redeeming you today. God is speaking to you today. So if you're in this house today and you're saying to yourself, I once was due for wrath, but I was, I'm not due for wrath anymore. And I'm so thankful about it. Could you stand to your feet? Come on right now. Just stand to your feet. That's all you're doing. You're just saying, I, you, I was headed for wrath, but I'm not now because of Jesus Christ. And if Joshua's word was good enough, how much more is God's word for you? How much more is the demonstration of Jesus Christ, the one who came and lived a sinless, pure life, but died the most horrible death so you and I could live and we could have life and we could have mercy and we could have freedom and I could be, I could be set free. Come on, somebody. Come on, we've thrown that all out. But we say, oh, I got a little adversity. Adversity is not your hair dryer breaking. Come on, somebody. Adversity is not a flat tire. You should have got new tires like weeks ago. That's not adversity. You're going to go through adversity, but we're going to learn courageous faith through it. In just a couple minutes, we're going to go back and we're going to sing a song we sang earlier. I called an audible. Because we're going to choose to praise. We're going to choose. I don't know what you're going through, but in a room this size, how many of y'all are going through some adversity right now? Come on, how many of y'all going through? You're challenged physically, spiritually, relationally, financially, work-wise. We're going to choose to praise in the midst of the adversity. But we got to do business with God right now. There's people in this room, you are far from God. You know it, your mama knows it, your friends know it, your cousin knows it, your person sitting next to you knows it, everybody knows it, knows it, that you are far from God. But I want to invite you home. More than only being a part of Bridge City Church, welcome home. I believe you found your people. I believe you found your tribe. I believe you found the people that you belong to. But more importantly, do, do you belong to God? Have, do you have a day, a moment, or time when Jesus Christ has become the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future? Or maybe you did that a long time ago, but now you've, you like kind of gave it up. Listen, I want to welcome you home to Jesus first. Jesus first. And there's people in this room today, listen, today is your day to get right with God. Today is your day to say, I was, I was once gone for wrath, but I belong to God today. So God, I pray right now, you're gonna move on every person in this room right now. God, you're gonna move on our hearts, you're gonna move on us, Lord. And so right now, in this moment, in this prayerful moment before God, if you would like Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future, I want you to boldly, boldly say, I want God's forgiveness and I want his leadership. I just want you to slip up your hand right now, right where you are. Just lift up your hand right now. Just say, that's me today. That's me today. Anybody here today, I just want to offer thank you. Anybody else today? Anybody else saying, I want in on this deal? Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, don't miss it because we're going we're gonna to begin to worship Jesus in about a minute. You don't want to miss it. Come on. Thank you, God. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord God.
right now, Jesus, that you're gonna move on hearts, Lord God. God, you're gonna move on us to once again, Lord God, move in grace and move in mercy, Lord God. So God, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord Jesus. So right now, I'm speaking to everybody in this room. If you are going through adversity, I want to invite you to come out of your seats and come down. I am not gonna pray like for every one individual. We're gonna choose to worship Jesus. Come on, I'm inviting you to come out of your seats and come down. Flood this front. Any adversity at all. I don't care if, listen, just come down. Just say, I'm just gonna cut. Listen, if I can't move you from there to here, I'll never move you anywhere because this is the easiest walk you're ever gonna have in your life. Come on, fill in the front. Move up, move in, come on. Come on, anybody here, you're, all you're doing is I'm just coming up front to say, I'm gonna choose to praise, I'm gonna choose to worship, I'm gonna choose to honor God in my stuff. So Heavenly Father, I pray for every person right now, Lord God, as we lift our hands. Come on, we didn't come here to be passive today, let's lift our hands to heaven. This is the universal sign of surrender. Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven in the universal sign of surrender and let's worship him. Come on, here we go, come on.